0: Job 34, verse 32. Throughout this month, we have been praying this short prayer. It's on our slip of paper here that we're keeping accountable with. Do you have one? Are you using it? We're trying to keep accountable in our Bible reading. And right at the top, there's the prayer. Good job. So are we praying this prayer let me ask if you've prayed this prayer job 34 verse 32 don't be ashamed it's just us if you've prayed this prayer job 34 32 teach me what i do not see if you tried to pray that prayer this week put your hand up who's tried okay well it's the 20 what is today the 25th 25 today today's the 25th we still have six days left today and five more days in the month I want to encourage you, pray the prayer. Job 34, (laughs) verse 32. Teach me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I'll stop. Show it to me. This morning, I come to the fourth sermon from this verse. Do you remember the other three? Here they are. The first one. What? Must we learn? We must learn what we do not see. So the first sermon I talked about, what kind of things do we not see? Do you remember some of the things I said? You don't see the, sin, the sins that you are doing by habit. You don't see those sins. Those are the things you're, you're blind. It's just your habit. Have you ever seen someone who's always getting angry? You ever seen someone like that? Raise your hand. Have you ever seen someone who gets angry? They just do it by habit. Do they realize that they are getting angry? Probably. You say, hey, you're angry. No, I'm not. They they don't see the sin because they're doing it by habit. What are some other things we don't see? Sins of our youth. We did this when we were young. We forgot about it. What are some other sins? Sins that are good commands we just ignored. Like there's a command to fast. How many of us, I won't ask you to raise your hand, don't, do not raise your hand. How many of us in 2022 have lived nine months and we have not fasted and prayed? It's a command in the Bible. Did you skip any meals this year with the goal, I'm going to pray? It's a command. Uh, what, about, what about praying for the government? Well, if you come to this church, you do it with me on Sunday morning. But if you don't come to this church, are you, are you breaking that? Those are the things that we do not see. And I gave 20-some examples in the first sermon. So what must we learn? The first sermon was we must learn what? The things that we do not The second sermon was, how will we learn them? And the answer was, God will do what? He'll show them. He'll teach us. So you're going to have to go right to God. You can't get it from a pastor. You can't get it anywhere else. You can't pay for it. You're going to have to get who to be your teacher? God. God himself is going to have to come down and teach you. It doesn't help if you go to a church with 5,000. It doesn't help if you say, Well, I do this. I do th-. not enough. You're going to have to have God Himself. Yeah, well, my daddy. Well, I don't care what about your daddy. If God doesn't teach you, you can't get it. So that was the second sermon. God Himself is going to have to teach you. Do you remember the third sermon last Sunday? It was last Sunday night. Must be taught. God has to do the teaching. He has to show us the things that we cannot see. And last week we talked about who has to be taught. Do you remember who has to be taught? Ourselves, like Job. Who else has to be taught? Weaker Christians have to be taught, like Job's friends. Who else has to be taught? Our family. Job prayed for his sons and his daughters. Who else has to be taught? Godly men, godly men like Job. Job himself had to be taught by Elihu. Yes, those have been our three sermons to this point. Today, I'd like to give you the fourth sermon. Can you figure out what it would be? Look down at the words. Well, what do you think the word our sermon would be today? Verse thirty-two. Teach me. Well, we've already covered teach. We've already covered me. What I do not see, we've already covered that. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. Maybe we need to have a whole sermon on not doing it anymore. Today, I'd like to teach you that God has already answered this prayer for his people. There it is, there's the whole sermon. God has already answered this prayer. So, right now, I want to show you eight ways God has answered that prayer for me. Maybe He's answered it for you. What I'd like you to do right now, while I'm teaching, ask yourself Has God taught me that? I'm going to give you eight things. Dun, 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 dun. God has already answered the prayer for me. I'm his child. I'm a sheep. I'm a Christian. God's answered this prayer. I'm going to show you eight things he's done for me. Has he done those for you? If I ask you, are you a Christian? You will say, oh, yes, yes, I'm a Christian. Okay, I'm not asking you that. I'm going to change the question. Has God answered these prayers for you? I'll give you eight ways. Then I want to show you five people who prayed for me. And if you are a Christian, probably those same five people prayed for you. So that's where we're going today. Eight ways that God has already answered this prayer and then five people who prayed that prayer and God heard them and God answered. Let's try it. As we go through this, I want to stir up your minds. Some of you are truly born again people. We have church members here and we have visitors here. If you are a church member, you have given your testimony and I think God has done these eight things for you. That's why when we give up the bread, we give it to you because, oh, you said God has done this for me. Wonderful. Praise Jesus. If you are visiting today and you say, wow, I think I did number one and number three, but number two and four and five, I don't think I see that. For you who have not had those things, I want, what do I want you to do? I want you to say in your heart, Oh God, please do this for me. He'll hear you and he'll answer you. For those of you who said, Wow, God's done these eight things for me. I want you to be full of gratitude. Let's see what they are. Eight things that God has already done. Taught me. God has already taught me the evil of sin. God has already taught me the evil of sin. God has shown me what it deserves. Psalm 9, verse 16. God is known by the judgments which he executes. Tell me, what is the judgment that God brings? What does God say sin deserves? Death and hell. God has shown me that. God has shown me that it is very common. God has shown me that about sin. God has shown me that it's all over. Would you like to live a life without keys? Without keys or locks without security companies? Would you like to live a life like that? What would your life be like if you had no gates because there were no criminals? Why do you have a gate? Why do you have locks? Why do you have passwords? Because sin is prevalent. That's how evil it is. It's everywhere. It's common. It's greatly wicked. Number two. What has God taught me? The nature of my heart. What has God taught me? He's taught me what my heart is like. What is your heart like? I already know because God has told me. And I know what my heart is like. My heart is bent. Toward sin. My heart is bent the wrong way. We have a song. Listen to the words of the song. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The word prone means I usually do it. I usually leave the God that I love. That, that song that we sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I usually wander away from God. I usually leave the one that I love, and I feel it in my heart. God has already taught me what my heart is like. Has he taught you what your heart is like? Has he shown you how bad your heart is? Or are you walking along thinking, I'm not that bad? Number, oh, let me read you a poem that John Bunyan wrote. John Bunyan wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, and here's a poem that he wrote On Man's Nature. From God, he's a backslider. Of ways, he loves the wider. With wickedness, He's a cider, more venom than a spider. In sin, he's a confider. Blind reason is his guider. And the devil is his rider. That's the description of man. And that's the description of your own heart. What else has he taught me? He's taught me the beauty of Christ. I ask you how many people in this town I've been walking around uh, I've been looking for new vehicles these days and the prices are so expensive for new vehicles Are you with me? Are you with me? Mm-hmm. I've been looking for new vehicles these days and the prices are very expensive. Would you would you like to have a brand new vehicle? Think of your favorite vehicle. How many people in this town, if they had the choice to walk into a room like this and no one was around and on the table, there were the keys to a new vehicle, whatever vehicle they wanted, any vehicle, a car, a Bucky, a truck, whatever you want, it's right there. And right over here was standing Jesus Christ. And he said as they came in. Come. You may talk with me. You can sit right here. And you can talk to me. I'll listen to you. And I'll answer you. Or. You can take that key. And walk out. But if you sit here with me you don't get the key that's your option you sit in the plastic chair and you talk with jesus and you hear from him or you take the key and you walk out how many people in this town would take the key would you take the key Brothers and sisters, I can say this without any fear of pride. If I walked in that door, I would sit in the chair and take my Lord Jesus. No, I wouldn't take the chair. I'd fall on my face and take every second with my dear Lord Jesus. Why? Because God has already answered the prayer. What is the prayer? Teach me what I do not I have started to see what? What have I started to see? The beauty of Christ. Have you seen that? If you have not seen that, then he has not yet answered the prayer for you. If you have not seen that, then today you need to go home. Our church gets out early. You need to go home and your whole day. Don't think about food. Don't think about anything else. You get alone with God and say, oh God, help me. Show me what I do not see. I don't see how bad sin is. I don't see my own heart. And I don't see who your son is. Because if he comes back and you haven't learned these lessons, you will never enter heaven. I don't care what church you've gone to. I don't care what you say or what you do. If you haven't learned that lesson, if he has not answered that prayer for you, if you're black or white or rich or poor, if that hasn't happened to you, You're lost. That has happened in my heart. And when you become a member at a true church, what you are saying is this. Here's what you're saying. I'm not perfect, but God has taught me. What does our verse say? Say it with me if you can. Teach me what I do not see. Stop. Teach me what I do not see. Brothers and sisters, God has taught me. I'm only in grade one, grade two, but he has taught me. I'm in his school. Has he taught you that? Do you see in Christ so much joy and happiness and pleasure? This morning, Colin and I were praying together. And Colin prayed for some people in this room. Here's what he prayed. I thought it was an unusual word. I don't know if I've used this. He used this word. He said, oh, dear God, please. Do you remember the word you used? He said, captivate. Oh, dear God, please captivate the people at Grace Bible with the beauty of Christ. I didn't tell him that. How in the world does a 13 year old talk that way? Because God has answered prayer for Colin. And this morning we prayed that the people who come here would have the same Lesson. What's number four? What's the fourth thing? He has taught us the skill and the will to believe in Jesus. The skill and the will to believe in Jesus. Think of some athletic ability that is difficult. Maybe water skiing. Have you ever tried to ski behind a boat? One time when I was a very young boy, maybe 14. Was that very young? I went water skiing. It was the only time in my life I've ever gone. You have to get in the water and put these big skis on your feet. And when they're on, you can't move your feet. And you have a life jacket so you won't sink. And you grab the rope and you must keep your feet out in front of you. But you're in the water with just your head sticking out. And your feet are there and the skis float. So the skis are sticking up above the water but your feet are down inside the water and you've got to hold your feet just out there and then the engine comes on in the boat and when the engine comes on, it pulls forward and it pulls the rope and you can't let it pull your hands forward. You have to hold back and then it'll slide up on those skis and your skis will come to the front. Do you know what happened the first time? Here's what happened the first time. The first time it happened I let myself pull forward, and my face went smack right on the water. You can't let yourself pull forward. Do you know what happened the second time I tried to get up? The second time I tried to get up, I turned my feet just a little bit. I wasn't wasn't used to it, I didn't know how to do it. I turned my feet, and I get pulled along backward. So now I'm being pulled along backward. Why? I had not learned the skill, hold your feet steady, Hold your arms back. Eventually, I got up, and then when I got up, now the boat's going along, and I'm standing, and then do you know what happened? While I'm standing, we're going along, and your skis are out like this. Guess what happened to my skis? They began to cross. Do you know what happens when your skis cross? When they cross like that, you fall in your face again at 40 k's an hour. (laughs) And I did it again. The skis crossed on my face. Oh yeah, don't let your skis cross, the guy tells me. Here's the point. There is a skill to believing in Jesus. There is a skill. Some of you, Carson and Callie, my children, will say to me, Daddy, I don't know if I've believed. I understand. It's like trying to water ski. You're still trying to get up. They're they're so young. They're they're seven and eight and nine and 10. Did I do it right? Did I believe? You'll learn. You'll learn. You see, that one's learning. He's still not perfect, he still doesn't get it right. Now, I've been saved much longer than my son. I'm, I'm more accustomed to it. I'm used to it. In fact, the guy that drove the boat that day that I went, he wanted to show off. So, after my brother and I had fallen over, do you know what he did? He went back behind. He gets ready, and when he pulls off, as the boat pulls forward, when he went up, we saw he only had one ski. He put one foot behind and just put one foot in the ski and only went on one ski just to show off. And you know what he did? He went to the right and then the left, and then he was so fast, he turned out and passed the boat with his ski and then waited a moment, and the boat caught up to him, and then he went behind it again. And I thought... Wow, I'll never be that good. Let me ask you, has he taught you the skill of believing in Jesus? It's not like riding water skis. It's not like riding a bike, but it is a skill. And some of us do not know how to do that skill, but some of us know because we have been what? Taught. I had a teacher teach me how to do that. Has the teacher taught you? Have you learned how to? Here's the words that Paul the Apostle uses. Has the teacher taught you how to lay hold of Christ? To hold on to him? What's the fourth lesson? Number five, I'm sorry, the fifth one to understand, enjoy, and obey the Bible. To understand, enjoy, and obey the Bible. God has taught me that. I love reading the Bible. Let me ask, do you enjoy it? Do you understand it? When you read the Bible, is it difficult for you? There's a man that I'm evangelizing even now. And he says, when I try to read the Bible, this is what he says. I can't understand it. He says this. He'll even use this. It's like a different language. Do you feel that way when you read the Bible? Do you feel like, wow, it's like like Zulu. I don't know Zulu. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like it's a different language? You see, the Bible would be a different language unless what? God? God? Taught you. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes to behold, to see wonderful things out of your law. Has God taught you to see wonderful things out of the Bible? Number six, what things have we been taught? To live more and more like a Christian. To live more and more like a Christian. Has he taught you that? Is he changing your life so that you live more and more? I'll tell you this. I've mentioned this before. My life is so controlled by my religion that one of my sons said to me, I can't remember if it was Caleb or Carson or Colin, said, Dad, I cannot imagine not being a Christian. I can't even imagine not going to church two times on a Sunday. We're so used to going to church. We go to church... Three different times. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying what we're accustomed to doing. We go Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. Because we're trying to plant churches. And the kids are saying, dad, I can't even imagine going to church just one time on a Sunday. And not going to church on a Sunday. It's, I, wow. All of our lives are arranged around Christianity. Why? God taught me. There is a danger if I give a personal example of someone saying, well, you're talking about yourself. I want to rather say, I'm talking about who? What God has taught me. What has he done? He has taught me to live like a Christian. And I think that's important because I don't want you to say, Oh, I couldn't live that way. I couldn't. No, you can live this way and even more because in so many ways I need to be more like Christ. Brothers and sisters, has he taught you to live like a Christian? Number seven. Uh Uh-oh, have I lost one? Which one did I skip? I only have seven, but I wrote down eight. Number seven, to get back up when you fall. To get back up when you fall. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. A righteous man falls seven times, but then what? He rises back up. That does not mean what the prosperity people say. What will the prosperity people say? A righteous man tries with his business and he fails, and he tries with his business and he fails, but he keeps going until he's a millionaire. That's what the prosperity people will say. The Bible verse is teaching a good man, he's walking along being a good man, and then he falls into sin. But if he's a good man, what will he do? Get back up. He's walking along and someone talks to him and he's caught and he doesn't know what to say. And so he tells a lie. He fell down. But then all that day, what's happening in his heart? Why did I lie? Why did I lie? My Lord Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Why did I lie? speak the truth with your neighbor hey friend we were talking today and you know you caught me off guard and i just said this and it wasn't right i wanted to tell you please forgive me i lied that's it has god taught you that to get back up when you fall every one of us falls proverbs 24:16 righteous people do what they fall but you know someone who's been taught by God because what do people do if they're taught by God they get back up if they're taught by their pastor they'll stay down in their sin or they'll quit the church if they're taught by their friend or their church or their church or their culture or their family if their wife taught them what will they do stay down but if God taught them what will they do get back up You see, God has taught me because I have sinned so many times, but he's teaching me how to get back up when I fall. Is he teaching that to you? That's the question. These are some categories. Friends, I can look back now and say, God has answered my prayer. Has he answered those prayers for you? God has helped me. He's heard me. Has he answered these prayers for you? How many of these seven would you say you've learned? Think about this. In our prayer time afterward, we'll go through the list and we'll see how the Lord has helped us. If you can stay around after, I know some of you have to go to work, but if you can stay around, we'll take time for prayer. And we'll say, has he taught you these? What do you need to pray for? God, teach me these categories. But let me ask you this. Who prayed that I would learn this? Let me give you five people. Let me count them. Yes, five people. Let me give five people that have prayed for me. Number one, the first missionaries to me prayed for me. Hundreds of years ago, missionaries left the Roman Empire and they came up to Britain. And I know that the missionaries prayed, oh God, save those people. And their prayers from 1,500, 1,800 years ago are being answered when? Today in me. The first missionaries to the Tsongas came here in 1875. Ernest uh, Crew and Henry Bertod, And they prayed. And you're a Tsonga. Why are you saved? Because those guys prayed for you 150 years ago. The Afrikaners, when did they get the gospel? Hundreds of years ago, it came to Holland And if you're an Afrikaans Christian today, God answered the prayers of those missionaries hundreds of years ago. When did the Vendas get a Bible? 1936. And the people who translated that Bible, what were they praying? Oh, save the Venda people. If you're a Venda Christian today, those missionaries prayed for you. And I'm praying for Tsonga people and maybe I'll die and not even see the ones who get saved, but God will answer my prayers. Number two, Christians who have been praying for a great work of God's spirit. Wait, what am I doing? Are you lost? I'm giving you five what? Five people who prayed for me. Number one, it was who? The first missionaries. Number two, it's Christians around the world who have been praying for a great work of God. Let me give you an example. In 1856, 1857 in America, a man named Jeremiah Lampierre, he was just a guy with a job. He went to a Dutch Reformed church in New York City, America. And he was so bothered with all the sin. One of the sins was slavery in America. He was so bothered with this that he said, I'd like to have a prayer meeting, which by the way is the best way to solve a problem like slavery. Start a prayer meeting. So he says, I'm going to start a prayer meeting. 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, only 60 minutes. And I want all the business people he said, I'm not asking pastors, I'm asking business people from 12 to 1, come pray with me in New York City at the Dutch Reformed Church. Wednesday only, one day. On the, 20, the 23rd of September, 1857, he goes to the church in a little back room like this. He sits down on the chair at 12 o'clock and at 1215, no one was there. And at 1230, one man came in. Jeremiah Lampier prayed with one man. That sounds like a failure. The next week they met and there were 20. On the third week, there were 40 and they could not fit in the room. Within six months, they had so filled the room, they had to use the church. And it (coughs) spread out to other churches in New York. Within one year, 12 months, All across America, there were businessmen's prayer meetings from 12 to 1. They had someone in every place with a bell, ringing a bell if you went over five minutes. Because they said there's so many people, you can say whatever you want, but you just start prayer. And after five minutes, we have one guy with a clock. After five minutes, ding, 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 stop. 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, if you have to leave early, you can leave early. If you come late, you come late. Guess what happened? Over 2 million people were converted in New York City. In Atlanta, 50% of the police in 1858 went home and took other jobs. It wasn't defund the police. There was no more crime. The, The police chief in Atlanta in 1858 said, our crime has reduced so much that we really don't need policemen anymore. Because of the prayer meetings in the city and so many people were converted. In Ireland, the Presbyterians heard about it, came across the wave. It takes you two months to get across the ocean in those days. And it's dangerous. They left Ireland, got on a boat, came across and listened to the Dutch Reformed people pray for an hour. And they said, this is so amazing. We're going to do it. They went back to Ireland and did it and saw revival in Wales. Another country by Ireland. Wales went up to Ireland. Watched how Ireland did it. And the revival spread to Wales. Do you think those people were praying only for New York? I know they weren't. They were praying for all the ends of the earth. Why do you think you're a Christian today? Because people in New York in 1857 got around on their lunch break. And one guy like you decided from 12 to 1 I'm going to pray and the first week it was one guy and he did not say ah oh, one guy ah it was failure let's quit he kept going and he prayed and god began saving people and from that revival actually hundreds and thousands of missionaries were sent out from america in fact I am a missionary sent out from America in an answer to the prayers in 1857. And if you were converted under my preaching, God used their prayers in a way to save you. Yes, God is answering the prayers for people all around the world. There are godly Afrikaans women in Cape Town who have been praying for revival. Revival. And if you are converted, you may be converted in an answer to an Afrikaans grandma in the Cape. You may be an answer to the prayers of an Irish sick man who's praying, oh God, send revival to South Africa. Number three, who prayed for you? The first missionaries, people who pray for revival, who else prayed for you? The person who led you to Jesus that guy prayed for you so much that guy is praying for you right now are you praying for him when you come to christ you can say oh my before i prayed for myself others prayed for me who prayed for you, you. who else her him so many people prayed for you to be converted i've been praying for you when you come to christ you look back and say Oh my, look at all these people who prayed for me. You see, God teaches these seven lessons as an answer to prayer and an answer to prayer. Number four, who else prayed for you? Oh, let me give an example for myself. I think I've told you this before. My mother prayed for me when I was a child and my Sunday school teacher and then my pastor's wife. I've told you this before. For years, my pastor's wife prayed for me. And when I went to college, she told me, Seth, since 1989, I've prayed for you every day. That's amazing. Can you think of anyone outside of your home that you pray for every day? For about seven years or eight years, that would have been. My pastor's wife said she prayed for me every day. Why have I learned these things? I'm nothing. It's an answer to the prayers of a woman in a little town in Pennsylvania, America. That woman prayed for a little boy who had ADD. And God said, I'm going to hear that woman's prayers and I'm going to send him overseas and then preach on the streets until some Afrikaners come to Jesus and some Sutus come to Jesus and a Vendo woman comes to Jesus. What in the world? These are answers to prayer. Number four, people in your church. How many people in your church have prayed for you? Everyone who's sitting here, I have prayed for you by name. And the people in this church have prayed for you. When you become a Christian, you can say, it was the people in my church who prayed for me. And number five, who's really the greatest one who prayed? Jesus Christ. Jesus Jesus prays for all his people. John 17, verse 20. Listen to this. It's the prayer before he dies. The night before Jesus dies, he said, I do not pray for them alone, but for all those who will believe on their word. I'm not only praying for the 12 apostles, I'm praying for everyone who's eventually one day going to believe through their preaching. If you're a Christian today, God taught you these things. If he taught you these things, it was an answer to prayer. Who was praying for you? Ultimately, it was Jesus. Psalm 2 verse 8, the father tells the son, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. Who are the heathen you? Who are the heathen me? God answered Jesus prayer by taking me one of the heathen and putting me in Christ and teaching me all these things. So two effects should happen to us. If God has taught you this then two things should happen to you. Number 1 it should make you very, very happy, very grateful, very joyful. Listen to some of these verses. Let me ask, are these verses ever hard for you? Are these ever hard? Here's a verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Is that hard for you? husini, hosini, minkarinkwayo. Takarani kusini. Misiote, commons, commons commons blame. here. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Is that ever hard for you? Of course it is, because life is difficult. Ah, but if you know God is teaching me, God is answering prayers, then you should be filled with gratitude. And the opposite is true. If you look up here and you say, well, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. I'm not sure about that one. If you're not sure that God has taught you, how should you feel? Frightened? Unhappy? Worried? You should feel that way. You see, the prosperity gospel says, oh, just be happy, be happy, be happy. No. There's even a magazine called Joy. You should be joyful if he has taught you these things. But has he taught you that? If he hasn't taught you those things, you should be frightened, unhappy, fearful. But if he has taught you those things, then what can give you a bad day? Well, the kids are sick. (laughs) If he's taught you this, he's using the sickness of the kids to take you all to heaven. There's two effects that this should bring. Number one is gratitude, joy, happiness. Paul says, in everything give thanks. How can you give thanks for everything? Well, if he's taught you this, then you can give thanks. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Christians ought to be the most grateful, happy, joyful people. Why? Because he's taught them. He's done this over and over and over. I am nothing, but he has done this for me. He answered the prayers of other people. When I was dead and disinterested, he did that. Before I loved him, he loved me. Before I prayed, he prayed for me. Before I could learn anything, he taught me. Why are we not grateful and happy and joyful? And there's a second effect. Two effects. One effect is gratitude. What's the second effect? Confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer. Many of us lack faith in prayer because we cannot think of answers to prayer. I'll ask you this just now in the prayer time. I'll ask you, how has God answered your prayer? And we'll be... Um, What can I say? What do I say? What can I? Uh, if, If I give you a piece of paper and say, 20 rand, if you come back with a paper, with the whole paper filled up with answers to prayer. I'll give you 20 rand, just fill it up with all the answers to prayer. I don't know what to write on this paper. Ah, but if God's answered this for you, when you go to pray, you will be very confident When I pray for my family, I am so confident now. When I pray for others, I'm confident because God has done this for me. He's done this for others. So he will do it again, I know. Friends, one of the reasons people love miracles is that miracles are immediate. But this kind of thing, God's providence, is slow, Teach me what I do not see. God's been doing this to his people, but slowly over time. God's been doing that to his people, slowly over time. The goats don't want this. Goats will come into this church once, they'll hear, oh, there's an American preaching. They come to the church once, they leave. They hear the kids, oh, look at those kids. Listen how they sing. Oh, they come twice, then they leave. Oh, come back Sunday morning, Sunday night, then they oh, stand up and give my testimony, then they. But true Christians, they understand God works slowly over time. And they look at this and say, this is what I want. I want that. I want God to teach me. I'm not interested in the immediate miracle. I'm interested in the slow, steady work over time. There are no Christians, zero. There are no Christians who are saved right now or who will be saved in the future or who will fight with their sin or who will see answers to prayer. There are no Christians who have had those things without being taught by God. If you have been taught by God, then you have been given a great gift. Let's close in prayer. Oh dear Lord Jesus, thank you for praying for us. For those who are not yet confident in Christ, who do not have the skill of believing, of laying hold of the Son of God, Oh, we do pray for them. Teach them right now. Begin in them the education process. Convert them. Give them new hearts, new hungers, new desires. Give us gratitude. Teach us to repent of ingratitude. Teach us to repent for neglecting to even think about the good things you've done for us. When so many people fall away, we have persevered because you prayed for us. Oh, forgive us, Lord Jesus, for not counting this as a gift beyond all gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.